Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, will be in verses 20 and 21, found on page 1074 in your pew Bible. And that's page 1074 in your pew Bible. If you are new or visiting with us, it's that black book in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, we encourage you to take that one. It is not stealing. It is a gift from us to you. We believe in the word of God. Again, our scripture is the Gospel of John, chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. And Jesus prays, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Here ends today's reading of God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Unity is our polar star. Well, at least that's what Barton W. Stone said in the early 1800s. And you're saying, well, who cares? Why does that matter? Barton W. Stone, along with Alexander Campbell, one a Presbyterian from Scotland and another one, a Baptist, a third generation American, were on the frontier of the United States in the 1800s, both fed up with divisions and dissensions within their denominations and against and over and against other denominations. And as they read the scripture, they believed that they wanted to restore the New Testament church. And so on their own and then later together, they began this movement called the Restoration Movement. And out of that, out of this hopes of a restoration movement, unity is our polar star, is something Barton Stone said. It's one of the foundationals, one of the fundamentals of the restoration movement. It's also known as the Stone-Campbell movement. It began in the frontier during the Second Great Awakening here in the United States. And out of it, born three denominations. Independent Christian churches and churches of Christ, the acapella churches of Christ, and the Christian church disciples of Christ, of which we are affiliated. That's why what Barton W. Stone matters to us. It's part of our heritage. It's part of our DNA and who we are. It's grown and continued to be part of this strand of the restoration movement of the disciples of Christ, that unity is our polar star. Now, a polar star is interesting. We actually have one. It's called Polaris. Our polar star, it's also the North Star. It's the biggest, brightest star in the north on a clear night. It's the star used to help with navigation and guidance and direction in the midst of the dark. Polar star is what gives us guidance. Now, Stone here is saying that unity is our polar star, and he and Campbell agreed on this, and they drew from specifically things Jesus said, and even here in his prayer, that 
they may all be one. Now, the unity that Barton Stone called for and the one that Jesus called for is different than what we may think. For since Barton Stone's call that unity is our polar star amongst the restoration movement, we can say it's a bit ironic that it's turned into three denominations in its attempt to be one singular combining denomination. That it has, uh, since the early 1800s, we have seen more and more divisiveness and fragmentation, especially among American churches. We can look all the way from the Catholic Church, Episcopal Church, Lutheran Church, Anglican Church, Christian Church, Independent Christian Church, Non-Denominational Church, Acapella Churches of Christ, Church of God in Christ, Pentecostal Churches, Assemblies of God, Baptist Churches of all different flavors and kinds, Methodist Churches of all different flavors and kinds. Right? The list goes on. Fragmentation has continued to occur. But the unity, the unity that Stone essentially was searching out in Scripture, and the unity, the oneness that Jesus calls us to in his prayer, doesn't look like agreeing with the other churches on all doctrinal matters and matters of tradition. The unity that the Scripture calls us to is not a horizontal unity with brothers and sisters. The unity that Jesus speaks of to his father in this prayer is a vertical unity, a unity with the triune God. Now, in our flavor of the restoration movement, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, we continue to push unity. We continue to say unity is our polar star. Unfortunately, I don't think we no longer mean what Stone meant or what Jesus means in his prayer. Rather, unity looks more like accepting anyone willing to put on the moniker of Christian, despite looking nothing like Orthodox Christians. But the unity Jesus prays for is different. It's not dealing with the dissensions and the divisiveness that cause different denominations and different churches and and different breakoffs and so on. That's in another part of the Bible. Think the Apostle Paul. Think the Corinthian letters. Search those out when regarding church divisions. No, the the unity Jesus prays for is unity among believers and the triune God. Now, in this prayer, Jesus is clear in telling us what a believer looks like in in describing the differences between a believer and someone who's who's of the world. He says, "The, the people Jesus counts among believers are those who know God. That's what he said in verse three. And he says, it's those that are given to Christ by the Father in verse two, six, nine, and 24 here in his prayer. It's those that have accepted God's word found in verse 7. It's those that are in the world but not of the world. Think born again in verse 15 and 16. It's those that are being sanctified by the truth found in verses 17 through 19. And then it's those who are in union with Christ who seek to be one with Christ, who are united with Christ in death and resurrection, who are united in Christ in searching to have the very mind of Christ. This is who Christ, this is who Jesus is praying for when he prays that they may be one, that they may be one 
with the Father. It's not for everyone. It's not unity for the whole world. It's the unity that Jesus has with his Father. It's what he pointed out to everyone back in John 5. We can look in verse 19 and hear Jesus' words. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus clearly points out that he and the Father are of the same will, the same purpose, the same love and motivation. Later, he goes on and says in verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus repeatedly points to his father's will in all that he does. In fact, after this prayer, when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he famously prays, God, Father, take this cup away from me, if it be your will. Jesus was obedient to the will of the Father, even to death on the cross. He never deviated from it and always stayed with it. The unity Jesus prays for is a unity, a oneness of wills, a oneness of want-tos, a oneness of desires, a oneness of actions carried out. You see, the Father and the Son are of the same purpose. So is the Spirit. So when Jesus prays for unity, for oneness, it's that our will will be the will of the Father. It will be the will of Jesus Christ. It would be the will of the Spirit. That we would be in line with the triune God in how we live. And all we do, what we do with our hands, where we go with our feet, the way we use our tongues and our mouths, the meditations of our hearts and the thinking of our minds, that all of it would match the will of God. And each day as we are being sanctified by the truth, may it be more so. See, the unity isn't something we go searching out with our brothers and sisters in Christ. For that comes as a natural byproduct of working towards the unity of the will with God the Father. For when we seek the unity with the Father, we naturally become one and united with those who are also doing likewise. For the unity with brothers and sisters is not of our own accord, but it is one that God weaves binds together. For then we can see, oh, you're also of the mind of Christ. For Jesus even prayed that this unity would be based on the word preached, on the word proclaimed, on the gospel expounded, on the truth provided. That our unity with the Father would be found in his word where he reveals himself and reveals the truth. For God appointed the word, his word, 
so that people may come to faith in Jesus Christ and know that he sent him. So it's by the very truth of the gospel on which we locate our unity. It's located in the truth of God's word. Now the question is, what's God's will? And I could give you some shortcuts today. I could give you a a list of things to think about and go and do and send you on your merry way. And and you'd be quite happy. You might have a checklist for spring break, something to do instead of thinking about the coronavirus. But that'd be far too easy. And then you would begin locating your truth in me. That's a bad place to find it. For I'm not the holder of truth. God's word is. You have in your hands and at your fingertips in almost any language you want and are able to read God's very word in which he reveals himself and his will, his character and who he is. That you can go there and find it and search it for yourself. For part of his desire is that you would want to know him more. And one of the best ways to do so is through prayer and reading scripture. For Jesus prays for unity. For our oneness with Christ. For our oneness with Christ that will reveal to the world that God the Father sent him. He doesn't call for us to simply go along with anyone who uses the moniker Christian and calls themselves a church. Rather, we're to be united on the truth of his word and his gospel, that Jesus is the Christ, that he went to the cross and he died shedding his blood for the atonement of our sins, and three days later he was resurrected, actually resurrected. And so it may be that we are not perfectly united with any one other church, But because our unity is located and found in the truth and the gospel, there will be people in Catholic churches and Anglican churches and Episcopal churches and that whole laundry list of other churches and denominations that while their tradition may not find fully themselves in the truth, they do. And it's with them we are united. Because we're united in Christ. And so there are brothers and sisters. Unity is our polar star. The star that guides us. The star in our darkness that gives us light and guidance when we are lost and on our way. Well, maybe because we don't seek unity as once thought of by Barton Stone or once or as prayed for by Jesus We need to rework this whole thing. For when I read scripture, it's told of that when there was darkness, God made light. That in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was the light of the world. That in midst of sin and darkness of our darkest times, when we were most needy of guidance and grace, God granted us a light, one to follow, one to imitate. 
one to have the mind of. That is Christ. The one we are called to behold. So not, let's not clamor for unity as our polar star. For we are Christians. For we celebrate the gospel. Christ, he and he alone is our polar star. Amen.